Welcome to Tranquility Magazine Podcast with your host, Jasmine Maya Royce. Welcome to our sixth edition of Tranquility Magazine Podcast, episode six, with our guest, Lisa Alpine. Lisa Alpine has been a teacher of dance as a healing art form for over 25 years at retreat centers around the world. She has worked with thousands of students in groups and private classes settings and is well known for her interpretive abilities in assisting people in opening up their bodies in order to free their expressive nature. She studied directly with Gabrielle Roth, Emily Cornon, and other master teachers and shamans. She has three books that she's printed, mostly about her life series. Dancing, Life, Moving and Grooving Around the Globe is her latest life series along with Wildlife Travel Adventures of a Worldly Woman, Series 2, and her first Exotic Life Travel Tales and Adventurous Woman. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so thrilled to talk about my favorite topics, writing and dance. I know. And then also travel because you've yeah. traveled everywhere. I can't help it. <laughs> you got the bug. I do. I've been a wanderer since I was an infant. Yeah. It makes you more complex as a creature. Do you agree? I agree. And it adds, what it does is it feeds curiosity. I have a strong uh, need to know what's around the corner or what that story is that that person hasn't told me yet. Oh, good. Good intuitive nature as well, I'm sure. And then what's your mantra right now when you set your days? That's such a great question. <laughs> I am well. I am healthy. I am loving. I am loved. I am creative. I am generous. That's an amazing mantra for everyone starting their day. I like the expansive one that you just made with your new book about the power of dance. How did you get into dance and why is it a calling for you? I've been dancing my entire life, but because I was highly dyslexic and I had a lot of uh, just not, I wasn't very socially adept and I really enjoyed creativity and silence, music. My family, my mother danced in the living room with me a lot. So I was introduced to movement as joy very early on from infancy. And it also appealed to me because it wasn't a spoken expression. Mm -hmm. It was a physical movement because I probably had some form of ADD. I was always in movement, always in movement. So dancing fulfilled that need, but because of the dyslexia, I couldn't study dance. When all the little ballet students went to the right, I would go to the left. <laughs> yes. Hey, well, a long time ago when that was not considered anything, but just being disrespectful. They oh. didn't realize, I didn't know the difference between left and right. Oh, okay. That's a, there's different versions of dyslexia. I have a lighter form, but it makes it more complex when it comes to directions. I have to remember all my hands. The left hand is the left one and the right is the other one. So you're like, okay, that helped when I learned it later. But dancing is a rhythm and a lot of instructors have tutelage that designs your dance for the day. And following a group format, dyslexic people, from my knowledge, tend to be the obscure abstract. Like I'm an abstract one. I think you'd touch it on it in when you were talking about the beginning of your recent book about the idea of structure interpretation, structure dance. I've never heard of that before. I thought that was a really unusual interpretation. Well, because we're 
almost geometric, but at the same time, we're fluid. Mm -hmm. That's where the idea for me started to come into play of, first of all, how to harness the movement so I could do it without getting confused. How did I really how my first steps in learning to heal myself through dance were I noticed that if I created equal movement on both sides of my body, Mm -hmm. it started to weave the right and left hemispheres of my brain together. And I am not dyslexic anymore. Oh, Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Well, I, this, I only, when I get, I'm extremely tired, then Mm. it pop up. But other than that, it never shows its face anymore in my reality. And it was that, that idea that really con- bringing consciousness into expression. So having the right and the left side, and then seeing the hands weave together and watching them, but also feeling them and then doing it to music, that was activating tremendous amount of brain, of my brain, different parts of my brain. And slowly, as I noticed my own movement improving and also me discovering not only the joy of dance, but that I could drive the car. Mm. that's when other people started coming to me and said, I hear that you're teaching this to yourself. Will you teach it to me? And that expanded. This was a right, probably before my son was born even. So Mm -hmm. years ago. And from that, it sprung board into this amazing field of exploration for me that I was very fortunate to be able to take other people with me on this journey. Yes. I mean, you have a multitude of books kind of on travel related topics, but I think your recent one touches more on your experience in crossing over the platforms of different backgrounds and different experiences into a dancing format. What are one of the best topics for that idea that kind of changed your worldwide perspective in the interpretation of dance? Oh, I know there's a multitude, but I'm just, first thing that comes to mind is probably. a sophisticated question. And (laughs) I have always, because before I started being able to write and express myself through the written word, and then linguistically, movement was how I expressed myself. And what I noticed in traveling in third world countries, which was immediately my shift in reality from the time I was 18, was wandering the world in cultures completely different than mine, languages I did not speak. What was, what did most people have in common besides eating and sleeping? (laughs) Dancing and music. Most cultures dance. Mm -hmm. It was a real eye-opener for me to go to Albania or uh, the Middle East, Morocco, and share dancing with people. It was an immediate, an immediate crossover into rocking each other and being accepted. Mm-hmm. So that's what, and it's so much more fun than not, <laughs> you know, to just yeah. join the party. Yes. I mean, it it makes you kind of part of it, but also it bridges back to the gap that you were talking about in language. Sometimes you know, forms of wording, especially Italian people would talk with their hands. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of tonality, different cultures speak in different tones. And then also you can bypass that by dancing with a a lot of interpretations. What was the most recent one that you've experienced about dancing with a culture? I'm going to bring in an experience that happened last night in a foreign country. Marin and across the bridge, Berkeley. I went over there to hear a Celtic, what would you call it? Celtic band combined with folk, ma- folk band? 
I was not, if they were really fusion, their parents had been a Ukrainian mm. and they were doing a, oh, it was Celtic Cajun. Okay. So some of my favorite types of music and everybody was sitting that the band was extremely invigorated. These four men, three of whom were brothers, very invigorated, put on a great show. And I did not want to sit in my chair just listening. It was not listening music to me. So mm -hmm. I went to the back of the room and I started dancing and this eight-year-old girl joined me. Mm -hmm. And she looked like me when I was a little girl, long blonde hair. And she was super unabashed, expressive, just very unusual movements. She wasn't mm -hmm. mimicking me, mm -hmm. which is usually what children do. She was doing her own thing. And I figured out she probably was had some form of ADD. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I could relate because of my awkward childhood, but needing to move and express oneself. So there was this place we met, her and I, for a good hour where we were creatively dancing in each other's fields together and not, and it was a language of its own because mm -hmm. of her probably being on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And her parents came up to me afterwards and thanked me for dancing with her. I said, oh my goodness, it was a total joy. I met somebody on my own level. Like, <laughs> I'm not sitting down for this one. <laughs> Correct. Well, also children have that imaginative spirit mm -hmm. still, which most people lose. And when you catch one, they're, they're exactly what you said, unabashed. Like I'm going to do my dance because I want to do it. And that's what I'm focused on. And I can't, when you get older, you're more like, everybody's watching me. I'm concerned about everything everybody's opinion and it just kind of loses your moments to kind of make your stance but it's just for you yeah we sabotage our own joy so there's a story the first story in dance life moving and grooving around the globe is about an experience I had right before COVID when I went to San Miguel de Allende oh I loved it it's really good that was that family, when I was in, I was standing in front of the cathedral, the famous cathedral in San Miguel, and there a limousine pulled up. A bride got out. Her wedding train must have been 50 feet long. And they were pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. And I started laughing. And the Mexican family next to me started laughing. And we were pretty soon all doubled over laughing. These people, I didn't know who they were, but we all were just in hysterics about this snake-like train that was coming out. Of <laughs> Big and, dress. Yeah, afterwards, Big problem. patted me on the back and we started talking. I speak Spanish. And they said, would you like to come to dinner with us? So we went out to dinner with them. They hired a mariachi band. We danced all dinner long. I have met my people on the first <laughs> night in San Miguel. And then they say, oh, we're going on, we're going to Guanajuato. You should come with us tomorrow. So suddenly I was immersed in this family's life, in their van, three generations, grandma to grandson. And every place we stopped, they danced. <laughs> I had met my people and we're still friends. <laughs> we communicate weekly. And I think it's amazing that, you know, you get immersed in an entire family because culturally, especially there, they're more family related. They have their own tribe, they have their own people, and they see each other more often than we do in America, where we separate and it's like a, a personal pursuit rather than a family in a lineage altogether. You're so right about that. But with that, the travel, my travel fulfillment not just my dance fulfillment, meeting people who danced in every crazy situation we found ourselves in. But 
I also got the cultural immersion into what they ate. I ate everything. We went to the street markets and mm-hmm. ate all kinds of, of things. I don't know what it was. But <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to ask in Mexico. <laughs> the market and they bought things for um, people that had, had died because it was the day of the dead week. Mm-hmm. And so they were buying mementos to leave on their graves and sharing with me the stories of how the man's wife had passed recently or the woman had just gotten over a full mastectomy or so I I was like oh it really put me in the heart of Mexico and it was so beautiful because it was during a period of time where there was this real alienation going on with immigrants on the border Mm -hmm. and a lot of dissing of the Mexican population so it was so beautiful to be just sucked up into these arms of love and expression and feeling they were very physical they hugged me a lot and rubbed my shoulders I was I was so happy that just <laughs> made day. but the dancing is actually what brought us together the laughter and then the dancing laughter is always a healing thing and also really um warms your heart if you laugh right with the right company and dancing is very connective uh, there's a lot of cultures that are more physical than my own background. It's like, we're not really a physical, you know, touchy feely kind of family. And there's a lot of that that are more, you know, especially Mexico, South America, they're very physical, they're very connected. And then you change your energies with each other. But dancing is a very optimistic and enlightening moment when you're in the movement that you do. It's true. Then to to wind back into what I was teaching and exploring was freeing people out of their self-consciousness so that they could express and discover new parts of themselves and new flavors about themselves. They may not have allowed themselves to gestate, Mm -hmm. but it was also moving awareness into parts of the body that might need healing where they had breast cancer. And Mm -hmm. a lot of movement into that area and it become an expressive part of the body instead of a shunned part of the body, which Mm -hmm. is extremely healing for holistic unity. True. Like I've learned some about Reiki and that's what you're talking about a little bit in Mm -hmm. my interpretation about energy movement and then appreciating. I call my body my temple and it's like, I live in it. You, you can't run away from it. It doesn't go anywhere. You're stuck with it. So like, what are you going to do with this? You know, take care of it, appreciate it, celebrate it, and then be in it. And it just makes it more of a realistic moment that you're like, okay, I'm stuck with this. I can't run from my mind. <laughs> I'm stuck well, with my mind. <laughs> it's a total relationship that we build every day. Body, mind, and spirit, which is a focus for you, True. I know. Yeah. yeah. So- how did you come about learning Spanish? Oh, I, I'm not a good, even though I'm a voracious reader since I was very young, voracious, voracious reader, love libraries. And, but I wasn't good at learning from books or in classrooms. I did very poorly in school because of my dyslexia and also my restlessness. So, but what I have that has made it so language actually comes pretty easily to me. I speak French and Spanish, mm-hmm. but it, I, I, the, the sound there is like music. It appeals to me because of the sound. And then the emotional quality is so rich compared to English. So there was an appealingness to absorb it. And when I was traveling, uh, I would just immerse my, I landed in Colombia at 20 years old, speaking no Spanish, 
with, I think I had a thousand dollars in my pocket and I spent two years down there just traveling around. I went out to the Galapagos. I went to Patagonia. Now this was a long time ago. So it was very cheap. And I was, I never had an incident of uh, distress at all, Mm -hmm. even though I was traveling dirt poor, but I picked up Spanish within 30 days. I had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens when you're, but also around it that you're hearing it more, you and you're, understand yeah. So that's it was through um, a particular uh, balance I have in my audio ability to absorb and understand, and I don't translate, which mm. is interesting because most learning in schools and in books for language is translation, and yeah, for me the word makes sense as I hear it without having to pick it apart in English. So the audio quality that is probably also why I love music so much. Makes sense. Yeah, because most people that do um, studies in school for languages, they can do the reading and the writing, but the conversation is also lost. So I've seen a lot of people do years of it and then be put in a place and you can't even put the words together because you haven't really heard it as much. So and listening to people's other people's conversations when they flow with it because they're very comfortable and native speakers. But yes, it's a difficult little transition from English, which I agree it's kind of more dramatic. Like the German tones are very harder and uh, more abrasive in our, our language, but there's romantic language is most of the Latin ones. Oh, they sound like they're singing. Speak to me in Portuguese. Oh, la, la. Brazilian Portuguese is exquisite. Oh. <laughs> that language. But so it's immersion and it's immersion is um, scary for people. Mm. So the idea that I think it is good to listen to uh, what I counsel people when they ask me, oh, I want to travel to Colombia or wherever I'll say, listen to the music from that and just put it on all the time. And, and more than likely their ear will start picking up words. Mm-hmm. The tuning again, it's another part of the brain that hasn't been developed yet. So True. it's stimulating it through music and uh, exposure to reading labels and uh, poetry is excellent. Hard. Mm. I'm a little scared. Um, I just yeah. found out yesterday. I don't know. I didn't know this. There have been all these translation apps out there for a while, but there's one that is supposed to be, it's by Google, I translation. And mm. so you say, I want, I would like a loaf of bread. And it, you can say what language you want it set in and it will immediately turn it around. And in Chinese say, I would like a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Chinese. So there's no learning curve there. There's no, there's no, uh, sure you can communicate, but is there that ability to feel it? Yes. Express it yourself or try the sounds out in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm a little worried about that. Not, not a whole lot worried, but like, Oh, don't take the yeah. <laughs> the loss in translation and isolation is more what you get when you travel and you're using that. I, I think my first trip, I was like that. 
we bought one of those tiny audible things and I, I was in school for French. And then I went to France, like you did in, when I was 18, I went there and I was staying in like the French Riviera and we had this tiny little thing that you could punch in the words and it would speak it to you. And this is, you know, in the night, well, to early two thousands. And you're like, okay, am I going to say it right? Are they going to understand me? And then you're used to Parisians, which are more detailed and they don't like it, but the French Riviera, they're more Forgiving. Flexible, yeah, because they're also doing things that are customer service and required to do both English and French. And <laughs> they were very uh, easygoing on us, but it was, you know, a little intimidation, but we use that. And I haven't really used something like that before because like you were saying, going back to the idea of music, music creates that emotional tonality that I talk about a lot. The emotions are more important in the language than anything else, but also other culture had more harsh tones that mean lighter things, but it's just like, which one are we dealing with? And if you want to explore, I I look at a lot of Americans that I've seen and I got really, I, I kind of lost it in the point that you're in another country and you're not even trying the three greetings, like, uh, hello, how are you? Thank you, please. Things like this, you should already learn if you go anywhere. Very useful, very useful. And then to get the earwax out and actually say it in the accent mm -hmm. is really important most people continue to overlay their american accent when there's when they're speaking french right bonjour yeah. bonjour yeah. well okay, that's quaint but the reality is is bonjour yes and you feel french when you say it it just mm -hmm. makes you feel more french and more american. <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I still get teased about that too. So, <laughs> oh, and then what about dancing? If you're out salsa dancing, I just got back from San Miguel. I went back about a month ago and mm. did nine days salsa intensive, salsa dance intensive. Ooh, that's a rhythm. Ooh, it's a rhythm. And uh, I was twice as old as anybody else in the class, but the teacher was the from Kudos. the two teachers. Of the <laughs> I thought so. Um, but the two teachers were Cuban. And it was all in Spanish and it was an immersion. So the, the dance steps themselves, I couldn't do the American elbow dance. Mm -hmm. People stand in place, don't move their hips and, and basically dance with their elbows. That's, That's the chicken. <laughs> yeah. Well, it requires hips and feet and listening to the beat and keeping your arms above your waist, always ready for the partner to turn you with. Mm -hmm. A lot of detailing that, it's also very indicative of their culture. Mm. They're very sensual. Mm -hmm. and Lots of hip action. Yes. Yeah, so that informs me while I'm traveling, the dance style informs me about the cultural past. Be it their attitude about the physical form and the bodies and male-female relationships or what those dances mean. The Ukrainian band last night that was playing Cajun Celtic music they were doing a lot of uh, songs from the Ukraine that were from wartime. And so they had a lot of very, like real, real big movement to it. You can mm. stomping of feet and going, hey, hey, you know, the <laughs> salsa class. But it, it is culturally a way, dancing is a way also to absorb, to willingly absorb and interact with another culture. 
Mm -hmm. I think it's more like that energy that you call to yourself when you're doing those dancing interpretations. But it, I appreciate that you're talking about their culture and also the history sometimes that it comes with it. And it, it gets a more impactful moment when you're expressing it physically about everything that they've gone through. I talk about blues a lot because I appreciate blues the most. And it, in order to do blues, to sing it or do it, you have to have some deep emotions that go with it. It's true. And a lot of emotions come with music that you need to understand how they feel about life, how they see life, how they, you know, move through it or find their, you know, moments. Like, I don't know any dancing element that I've ever been into that was like awkward or not awkward, but sometimes it's learning. You can be awkward, but um, yeah, just like you haven't had fun. So true. And how fortunate are we to mm -hmm. be able to dance to great blues music? Yeah, in every way. I think I was laughing before our call and I was thinking back in my history in a way that my, my father said something hilarious one day. I used to be a, put on a lot of shows in Los Angeles for music bands and I've been in the music industry myself for years. And I put on this show and we're in the Viper Room. We got the backstage pass, like a viewpoint where my dad could go sit in Johnny Depp's previous like viewing room with all his like people, but they weren't there. And you're looking at all these people that were standing around all these musicians, all clad in black, you know, sitting there like stone walls and just critiquing everything they were doing. And my dad saucied out on the floor and said, you're all dead. And then boogied. Yes, <laughs> What a wonderful person. He gets a medal, an Academy Award. I uh, but I was like, I can't sit there. You know, he's dancing for himself. I was like, I'll do it. I don't care what these people think. I put on the show. They're a great band. And I was like, but you're missing the point that he was making it clear that if you're not enjoying the music, you're not even here. So true. Judgment is a mind killer, a spirit killer. <laughs> but so you've done a lot of workshops and group things. So Talk to me about what you do in a workshop and how you set them up and what you're kind of teaching people about. Well, the latest series of workshops that I've done, because people really love, for some reason, the title of this and the focus, it's called Poetry in Motion. And it's a one-day workshop. And basically the format is anybody can write poetry and anybody can dance. So people can come in there with no experience. And it's Wonderfully, wonderfully, uh, and it, I sync them right into a beautiful song with great lyrics, express it through your body. What are you feeling? And I create a very safe environment so that people are not self-conscious. Mm -hmm. Inform students, no, believe me, people will watch you for maybe a minute, then they're going to lose interest no matter what you're doing. They're <laughs> not going to focus on you. So you just do whatever you want. They're not interested nobody's watching. So just go for it. Like make this your moment. And with the poetry in motion, so the song warms them up a couple songs. And then I do uh, some breathing techniques to really drop them into a more calm state of mind. And then we go into the writing part. And the writing can be triggered by a sentence in the song that they just danced to. I'll pick out a very rich few words evoke a feeling or a place or a smell a sense and they uh just spontaneously write really quick really quick mm -hmm. and i have a, a couple of exercises where i have them rearrange the words okay now take half of that out or circle the words that you feel have a lot of potency and mm -hmm. then let's put those into something okay now 
get up and dance that. And I'm simplifying it verbally because mm-hmm. we're not going through the full six hour trajectory of being in the room with other people in the same mindset of I'm going to create from this completely blank slate. And it's beautiful what comes out at the, the end of it is that whatever poetry they have created, that they then dance themselves so they can mm-hmm. feel it. But what I have somebody else do is read the poem that the person wrote, Mm. get up in the center in front of everybody sitting around in a circle and dance as their poem is being read to them. And that is a springboard into they are doing something they've never done before. And it's you also get to see the psychology of our interior world. The person reveals Mm. aspects of themselves that you can see in their movement and words that they're not going to share with very many people, because I've asked them to go into the deep cave of creativity inside themselves and pull this stuff up. But it's not painful. It's actually, ooh, I always say to people, get curious about yourself. Don't be afraid. Get curious. Something feels comfortable, press on it. What is this? What does this really feel like? What? Give it a word. Go, go for expression. Go for mm. exact detailed expression. Don't be vague, be curious. And then the wordplay becomes more fun than thinking you're in pain. More, it it grabs the mind and refocuses the headlight toward, oh, this is, this is interesting. I'm interesting. This is a, I didn't know that that part of me, I couldn't feel my right hip. And that's where my injuries are. What is the story in that right hip? Oh, well, don't make it, oh, woe is me. It's more, there's deeper, 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 deeper expression in there that can be quite gorgeous. I would agree with you. I think I used to joke about your back, you know, your backpack of woes and how you put every emotion in there somewhere. Men, mostly lower back, financial, not supported. Women up here, emotional, one person, the other, yes, yeah, stiffy. Like we put our purses there and we're like squishing with it and you're like too heavy. But it also kind of you feel stifled if you don't move around what you were teaching and it helps you loosen up. I think you were talking about that when we met, you were doing an exercise with a group of us and you were kind of teaching about the idea of movement and how powerful it is. It's liberating. Mm. And life's no fun if you're stiff, comfortable, not comfortable Mm -hmm. at all. So that the other great The other wonderful gift that dance and creative movement gives you, and also walking in the woods, any Mm -hmm. movement, a good yoga class, there's endorphins are released. Mm -hmm. And that spreads throughout the body and you'll feel an uplift of of smile in your body instead of this pulling forward of worry and grief and anxiety. And unfortunately, anxiety is a huge problem in society now. And this ability to spread your wings out again and go, oh, 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 this feels so good. Look up the sky. I feel that blueness in my chest. I feel the, <laughs> the birds flying through my face and that my smile is opening up like wings. Those, that's dance. It makes you feel good. So if people could bring movement as prayer into their life, they would, they would benefit so tremendously in total tragedies in this world. But how do we navigate through them? How do we navigate? Do we move with grace and flow or do we fight or do we resent? It's those feelings. And each of those feelings is a description, a movement. So it's really good for people to become physically aware of how their body responds to the movement they're doing through their life, the dance of their life. And I'm a big crossover person. I don't want to just dance in a studio or on a stage or perform. I want to dance with life. And I, that's my message to so many people dance with life, 
We mm -hmm. don't know another five minutes or another 500 years, but there's a fine uh, time you have for this dance. <laughs> hey, that's part of being alive. I'm sure that you're talking about. I liked in the book when you're talking about the family that you met, San Miguel, and you were talking about they stopped and they took a break from the bus and they were all dancing. <laughs> yeah, that really told me I was with the right people. Who stops at the gas station and eight people get out and start dancing at 30 <laughs> in the morning? But I guess it's, there's joy and being alive and being aware and just celebrating the moment, which is a lot of people miss being present enough. And movement, I would agree probably with you and what you teach. It's, it's about being here. I am present right now. And I'm just doing this for fun. And I feel lighter because of it. Well, then they're also going to be a lot more comfortable physically in their body. I'm going to be 70 in December. And Congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I feel fantastic. And it is because of the conscious movement that I've been practicing. I'm, I know that for a fact. I, I know that if I didn't express myself through that, this is my, my game and has been my whole life is I need to move. And the more I've refined my movement and my awareness of the parts of my body that can express themselves in these very minute ways, the actually more comfortable I've gotten, the more freedom of movement I've had and no health issues. So that's far. surprising. Hey, you're, you're celebrating your own body, which is important for us to be aware and appreciate these tiny things. And I give you kudos because when you, you're aging gracefully in a really astounding way of, mm. but it makes it more enjoyable, the idea of figuring out ways that you're still alive and living and enjoying every moment than dealing with things that are impacting you. And life impacts you. Life problems impact oh, you. Everything yeah. happens. And then just remembering for the tiny moments of what makes you feel alive is such a magical moment. Gratitude also. Gratitude is amazing. The writing is interesting because it's the, the movement is one part, the body, and then the writing is the mind. Mm. To weave the two together is also something that I enjoy doing when I teach and encourage people to do because they're going to be doing probably a lot more writing in their life than they are dancing is my guess. Writing is a also unique way to be precise and yet mm. investigative about what you're experiencing in life. It's why I'm a travel writer mm -hmm. in the world out there from the moment I wake up and I encourage all people to think this, they're traveling. It's mm. a new day in a new place. Even if I've lived in the same house for 35 years, it's a new day. There's different birds in the trees. It's the lighting is different. So how do I bring that into my writing and my, my storytelling? How do I weave that in? Well, I need my physical senses to be highly awake, which the dance mm. also plays a part in, in keeping the body, not just active, but uh, stimulated mm. and connected to the brain. So it's like a, it's literally a dance between mm -hmm. the mind and the body to create the stories, whether they be in movement or in writing. I think it's true. Like it, I've never seen or heard of anybody doing the comp combination of the two but I think it's very wise about interpreting like interpretation of the actual word and how it means and how it feels would be very um exploratory I guess would be the word that I would choose exploratory and delicious 
<laughs> delicious, good one. <laughs> you're, looking, you're, you're giving yourself the time to, to really reflect on what was the element in the truffle sauce? What was that flavor? How do you look for that? Is it, is it, that race says earthy, mm-hmm. but beyond that, it's hard. Actually food writing and taste, taste and smell are the hardest senses to describe accurately. Also Not- the most linked to memory. And, and, and taste it's, it's, oh, it was bitter. There's, there's generics to use, but then when you really start to think about and reanalyze an experience deeply through writing or through movement, it allows you to come up with a really unique, but bullseye description that the reader just goes, that is a perfect description. I get it. I can taste it. (laughs) Feel it. I, that the wind, the quality of the air, the scent in the air is telling you a story mm. and how to capture that. And, and uh, writing is, is actually harder than dance, I think, because it requires so much more focus. Dance is letting go mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, being fully conscious. So you don't just throw yourself off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> writing is very like, like that, just hammering away at chiseling away looking for the diamond yeah and I think your interpretation of paralleling the two together would probably be beneficial for writer's block definitely it gets over I have seen this so many times most of my students are writers and dancers oh it's a theme what I do but also it is so and who wants to sit on their derriere (laughs) day in front of a laptop I can't do it yeah, no, you get like screen burnout as occasionally. Oh, painful. You feel, you start to feel your age. Hunched yeah. over, achy, grumpy, mm. numb. <laughs> That's not good. No. So I mean, you're missing the life in the world outside sometimes when you sit behind a computer for too long. There's some dancing. Throw in a polka. <laughs> I mean, it's education, but it separates you from the task. Work. Physical. Yeah, work shouldn't be a task that is like hard to do. If you have you get in a hard place, you need to step away from it and let it be for a while, and then you come put back. A song on. Yeah, put a song on and dance around the room. <laughs> Everybody's got a favorite song. Do you have a favorite like? Because you do a lot of um, expressive dancing and all these classes. Do you have something or a workout regime that you do besides dancing in the kitchen while you're cooking or anything like that? But I do yoga. Mm-hmm. Every day, almost daily uh, for the last decades and stretching. I always, in all my dance classes and even my writing classes, I have people stand up and stretch. So important. Or, yeah. And the dance always, always breathing and stretching, breathing and stretching. And it doesn't matter if it's a travel writing course or which I've taught for decades mm-hmm. or the dance and movement course. It's a dance and stretching really in, in, in expanding into the body, breath work, enlivening the body, and then going into the creative part of writing or dancing. So I do myself, I do that for myself. I do yoga almost daily. I hike intensively all around. I live, I've chosen to live in an area where there's fabulous hiking trails every, right near the house. And then I dance. I went out dancing last night to, I danced to a lot of live music, not at bars or anything like that. Just, uh, there's, we're, we're blessed in the Bay Area mm-hmm. to have a plethora of talented musicians 
who basically play for nothing uh, venues club venues it's i'm very fortunate so a lot of live music and then also the dancing wise my partner is a salsa dancer mm. uh, salsa dancing quite a bit you feel like you're in cuba without having to get on an airplane <laughs> but that's great that you're immersed in your own area uh, so you can actually immerse yourself without having to go to a foreign country or across the united states in some of these cultures right in your own urban areas True, like doing some research and going dancing or seeing a cultural event or um, buying music you don't normally listen to and then dancing to it. If you're if you're going to be going to another country, listen to a lot of the music from that country that you can find on Spotify or wherever. And then but dance to it like that. Add the other element of like, oh, well, I'm packing my suitcase. I'm going to listen to this Ukrainian band and dance to the music or a Polish band or whatever. Spanish gypsy music. Just immerse yourself. Oh my God, that was a wonderful trip that that revolved around my travel writing and my love of dance. Somebody had read my wildlife book, this book uh, number two. Two? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and he wrote me, he said, I have an apartment in Jerez de la Frontera in Spain, and that is the capital of flamenco music and dancing. And Mm -hmm. so if you you can stay at my apartment for as long as you want, a month, six weeks, whatever. For free, if you leave me a story on my kitchen table after. <laughs> I like the exchange. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful God, exchange. Fabulous. So here I was invited to go to the capital of Flamenco. Mm-hmm. And we spent six weeks there. And it was talk about parachuting into a culture. We were right <laughs> in the heart of it. It was fabulous. And it was everything I loved dancing, writing food the tapas oh my and the the people no tourists it was a wonderful immersion that's a good one that came from my passion for dance so that's the other thing i bring into the travel writing workshops for students is what are your passions i have them write down their passions what are they really passionate about is it gardening is it tea services in england or whatever and then make that the focus of your travels a lot to and it gives you a lot of reason to pre-connect with people through social media who are also involved in those interests Mm -hmm. i mean pulling from your what writer interpretations you should pull from your own understandings and passions so you're very clear on that because it makes it more you can't write it if you haven't done it (laughs) i guess that's a quote that i remember the interest and and the connectivity to other people that are also very excited about dance make it so that there's there's going to be a story there an intimate story that nobody else has experienced except you once you go there so i got one last question for you i want you to think about it for a, a moment and try to express something that you have worked through and learned from and what you took away from it i've learned through my dance exploration and journey into myself over many years that I can trust myself. Mm. Balance. Balancia. I found balance. That's a gifted place to be. Thank you very much, Lisa Alpine, for your interview today and 
giving everybody some enlightenment in perspective on dance and travel and your experiences in life. I appreciate your time. And for those of you listening in, please subscribe to our monthly episode for the Tranquility Magazine podcast. We are available on all social media platforms. Also, keep in touch with Lisa Alpine for her workshops and her activity and her books you can buy on her website at www.lisaalpine.com. Thank you very much, Lisa, for being here. My great pleasure. And also, thank you very much for Kevin Lincoln and Magda McMurphy for doing all the social media and also the intro. We appreciate your time. I'm your host, Jasmine Meyer Royce, and it's always my delight to inform you about interesting stories and amazing people. Today, I leave you with this quote to enlighten you for your next journey. Dancing is a joy of movement and the heart of life. Thank you very much, everybody, and look forward to seeing you next month.